The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Y'all, it's the Joker's Gallery right here on the Fago Lovers Network, a very special edition of Five Piece coming at you today as we're celebrating fucking 23 years since the Wicked Clowns rocked that fucking stage you see in the background at Woodstock 99. It was fucking a huge thing in the Juggalo fucking scene for sure. So we wanted to uh, jump on here on its birthday and give it a special edition shout out. Luke the Goon, you know, that motherfucker is not really about the mainstream shit. He only likes this shit super wicked. So he said he didn't really have much to say on this. So me and Mike wanted to jump on here and do this one special edition style. Like I said, as always, Got the homie Mike Sears from Speak Your Clout joining me. It's good, y'all. Speak Your Clout podcast. Bend the boys. Motherfucking Goons Club Gallery in this bitch. He's so in the Woodstock 99 spirit, he fucking cut his hair off and looking like Fieldy from 96 in this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. Hi, Hell yeah. Motherfucking Massachusetts, G. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. 120 <laughs> degrees heat index here, so I can feel that for sure. It's going to be fun talking about this Woodstock shit, man. It took place from uh, July 22nd through 25, 1999. The uh, official concert started on the 23rd, which is uh, when ICP fucking rocked the stage, and that's what we're celebrating. The first day was basically just like a pre-party or whatever. It had a few bands, but but all the real shit kicked off on the 23rd. Ticket prices was $150 for that whole fucking thing. Think about that. That's fucking crazy. For the amount of money they were paying these artists, I only had to pay $150 to see a three-day fucking concert with, like, the biggest names of the time. That's pretty fucking crazy. It was uh, just like the previous Woodstock festivals held in upstate New York, this time in Rome, about 100 or so miles from the original Woodstock. Attendance was approximately 400,000. But the thing about that is they only sold 250,000 tickets. So like an estimated 150,000 like snuck in once the wall got broken down and shit and the security like ended up leaving the door, not even giving a fuck about any of that shit. So like mad people snuck in. I'll go and uh, run down some of the artists that performed on the three days before we get into ranking what we're going to rank today, which will be our top five performances from Woodstock 99. Performing, it was crazy. Like I said, just jam-packed. James Brown, Jamiroquai, Live, Sheryl Crow, DMX, The Offspring, Corn, Bush, The Roots, ICP, George Clinton, Tragically Hip, Kid Rock, Wycliffe, Counting Crows, Dave Matthews Band, Alanis Morissette, Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine, Metallica, Everclear, Ice Cube, The Brian Seltzer Orchestra, Willie Nelson, Everlast, Elvis and Costello, Jewel, Creed, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rusted Root, Seven Dust, Collective So, God Smack, and Megadeth. That's that's not even all of them. That's just the ones that like I thought were dope enough to be on the list. So that's not even all of them. Um, we always talk about when we first remember the shit. I really remember the shit being on MTV, you know, like growing up in the 90s, man. You had that shit tuned to MTV a lot of the times, and they were promoting the fuck out of it. They ended up covering it like MTV was there. They had all the access to do whatever they want, so they were promoting the fuck out of it. And then I remember that announcement of fucking ICP getting booked, and it, it fucking sent shockwaves to the fucking juggalo world, man. Like, people was like, that's fucking like myself, I was fucking marking the fuck out. I thought that was so dope that like Woodstock would recognize the clowns, but like other people were hating on it. Like I even remember Twisted wanted nothing to do with it. 
Like yeah. ICP wanted Twisted to come out and do half of their show. Yeah. They wanted to do some fucking songs with Twisted and Twisted like, no, nah, we want nothing to do with that. So it was even like a division amongst the artists. I know like some of the juggalos did uh they had to cancel some of the dates from Psychopathic from outer space tour to appear that were already booked and i know some juggalos are still salty they missed that fresh ass tour so icp could be at woodstock what's the first time you remember about like hearing about woodstock and it's going down and then of course about the icp involvement i heard about it first on mtv they were doing a heavy promotion you know carson daly kurt loda were talking about it and when it was going down they were showing actual performance a little bit you know what i'm saying but i seen i had the black box back then free free review so i seen a good chunk of it and uh, as far as ICP, my boy PJ, shout out to Paul, man. He told me that uh, they were playing there, and I was like, oh, shit. You know, didn't uh, Shaggy just say, fuck for loser big festivals? Never sell out with your bitch assholes. But I wasn't <laughs> hating, like, oh, that underground. And uh, I was I was happy. Yeah. I wanted to see one of my favorite hip-hop duos win. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I was happy about it when I found out. I think the reason that that line got the skirt by it wasn't like ironic or anything that I would diss on or hate on for him saying it and then being at Woodstock. It's because they didn't sell out. They brought fucking the ICP show as you get it, regardless if there's 200 Juggalos or 200,000 in the crowd. They brought that exact show. They didn't change. They still throwed Fago. They're one of the wildest sets of the entire fucking week. Oh, yeah. So, like, they didn't change. They didn't sell out to be there, and Woodstock came to them. So, like, that, yeah, I remember people always quoting that line, but I, that's how I'd always defend it. It's like they didn't sell out, though, man. They just brought ICP to Woodstock. So I thought that was dope for them to be included. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and get in to our top five. And we kind of got it a little bit different today. Instead of doing it, each of us doing a uh, pick, we had the same exact list. <laughs> Whenever we put our list together, we just, just so we'll just put it, do it at the same time. Just so, so we're not talking about it twice in a row. And we just talked about it at the five spot ICP.
got it in my notes because i went back and watched all these performances and i didn't get to watch it because i didn't have the black box those black boxes were fucking gold back in they were if they're waiting oh. go back in the day man but i didn't have one but if you remember back in the day for pay-per-views you could hear shit like you couldn't see it it was scrambled but you could hear it so i listened to the entire fucking woodstock like performance just didn't see the shit so like i'm i remember sitting there listening as like just sitting there like a proud little brother. Like, I can't believe these motherfuckers made it to this stage. That's fucking crazy. Two fucking clowns that fucking throw soda on people and rap from Detroit, Michigan are fucking rocking the Woodstock stage on like the biggest fucking spotlight of this millennium. So I was just sitting there fucking proud as fuck. Like I said, I'm like a proud little brother watching that shit. What'd you think about it? I thought it was fucking dope, man. You know, uh, the sound was kind of shitty during the performance, but the shit was dope. It was like weird. 
But uh, this, you know, like them throwing a Fago, like always. Uh, funny story when it came on VHS. Shout out to George from Get Back Records. Still got the motherfucking uh, <laughs> card. Oh uh, yeah. He's, he's, he was a hippie dude. His two favorite bands was the Beatles and Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> he still wow. in the back. That's <laughs> yeah. some diversity right there. That's, a, that's some space in between them two genres. He fucked with Wu-Tang. He fucked with Snoopy. He was fucking cool, man. And um, we were watching him perform. And uh, he's like, you just laugh. He's like, I love these guys. Because <laughs> 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 he played it in the store. Yeah. yeah. Dude, was funny, man. And um, when Jay fucking like Garula presses that bitch like Ultimate Warrior. He Bro. he like and instead of dropping her on like a nice canvas, even that a, that the Ultimate Warrior did, he drops this bitch on the fucking solid ass stack of Fagos. Like she hits <laughs> and just sticks there. She don't bounce or nudge. She just hits that shit and like oh, looks like yeah. holy fuck. <laughs> it was sloppy as fuck, but dope as fuck at the same time. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I, lo- I loved it. It makes me really like. I'm. I mean, I'm very angry. I wasn't in attendance because I think this is the best musical festival of my lifetime. I'll, I've seen or ever will see. But like the people that were there got to hear the fucking show like it was supposed to. It was only the fucking pay per view feed that it, the sounds fucked up. So live, they're experiencing an ICP show and hearing it. But fucking trying to watch that shit back, man, it sucks now because the audio is so fucked up. But the oh, people God. in the crowd got the got the live shit. So at least the people in the crowd got to experience an ICP show full on. And they did. Like I said, they had the Fago that they were throwing. The stage set was the best one of the entire weekend. They had all the monsters and, like, the claws and shit that were the Fago containers. They did uh, play with me, and those big monsters came out on stage. Nobody fucked with the theatrics like that. So that was one of the big reasons I wanted to to be on in my list is because I think they showed out theatrically and made it a stage show better than anyone. And they're not working with a fucking budget like fucking Cheryl Crow is <laughs> that, you know, they're working with a fucking juggalo budget compared to fucking all these others artists on Woodstock. And they stole the show. As far as that goes, they threw out those fucking giant fucking beach balls that had money taped on them. Remember that they were like, we got paid so much from fucking, uh, Woodstock and y'all got charged so much for the ticket. We're going to give y'all some money back. And they threw the fucking things out. I've seen people on like documentaries about Woodstock say that's when the melee started in Sioux because people were like scratching and clawing at each other, trying to get to that money. You can go back and watch that footage. and There ain't nobody scratching and clawing. Like people were just knocking that shit up there, having fun. I thought that was dope, man. Like the first time they threw out like, probably three foot around beach balls. And they said they had a hundred dollars taped to it. And then they brought out the giant ones and they said they had 500 taped to it and they just threw it out and let it bounce through the crowd. And the crowd was trying to grab the money as it went out. And it, what I found funny watching it back is there's one point where the security for Woodstock is the, one of the biggest reasons the whole thing fucked up, but you can see it right here is because one of the security guards that has the ball that's supposed to throw it in the crowd, he starts taking the money off of it himself and Jay's like, throw that shit in the crowd. Throw that shit in the crowd. And then he sees him actually get money off. He's like, throw that shit in the crowd, too. So, like, the security was so sketchy, man. And you got, you know, these security guards that'll steal a fucking $20 bill off the ball trying to protect all these fucking 400,000 people. So we'll get into that later. But, man, that was funny as shit. Jay was like, get, give him that fucking money. And then... uh Notice watching it back, Jump Steady got some mic time at Woodstock. He comes up and he's the fucking cop that tries to shut it down. And then, uh, like, Violent J and him starts beefing. Violent J sets him on a table, climbs up a ladder, does a swanton, 
a beautiful swanton, but like the table doesn't break. This table's solid as fuck. It doesn't break. It just rolls over. So like you see Jay laying on the ground. He looks at Shaggy and he goes suplex. And like Shaggy puts the table back up. He doesn't go with just a suplex. He gets himself and uh, jump steady. The cop up there picks him up and does a power bomb on the table. I can't believe that fucking table fucking stood with the weight of them both steady on there. And like jump steady's way bigger than Shaggy. Shaggy just threw that motherfucker up and down with the power bomb like he's Batista. <laughs> Shit was dope. Suit was fresh. Yeah, he was rocking like that was like the era that he was just rocking random fucking suits on yeah. stage. He said uh, that tour that they were on was so long before getting to Woodstock and before like all that shit. Like he was just entertaining himself by wearing suits and like you know he has a Super Bowl song, so it always made sense that he was rocking the Super Bowls fucking costume. He rocked that one the most, but he just rocked random ass fucking shit in that era. Yeah, I wanted to make sure ICP got on there because, like I said, if you go back and watch it now, you're like, how the fuck did this make the top five? Because the audio is fucking trash. Like, somebody's got to – I might remaster that shit myself and just put the fucking real concert audio over, like, the fucking pay-per-view one or something because that, that shit needs to be preserved and how it was fucking heard by the fucking crowd. But, like I said, the stage show and all the fucking Fago flying. Another thing I didn't talk about that I messaged you while I was watching it, there's the most fucking naked bitches on stage in this one than anything. Like, I – I don't know how, I don't know if ICP told the security guards, if you see a chick, just, you know, bring her over the rail and let her come on stage because there's like throughout the show, like just naked chicks up on the stage. So I guess they were allowing the, cause there's no dudes. So obviously they're blocking the dudes from doing it. So they must have told like the security, like it's good if we let the chicks up. And the funniest thing I thought that I've noticed watching it was there's this one chick looks mad 99. She's rocking like some fucking like, uh, uh, Jinko, black Jinko jeans and like a black fucking like girly shirt and fucking black hair. Looks like she could be a member of Kitty. <laughs> and oh, she, okay. she gets on stage and she like stalks Shaggy Two Dope around the stage for a good like half a song. And every time he looks at her, she like grabs her titties and like tries to get him to like grab her titties and Shaggy's having none of it. He just like side eyes the bitch and keeps going. <laughs> I but, that again in full. I haven't done it in a while. It's it's a fun watch, man. Like I said, I hate that audio issues. I might even have to go fucking replace the fucking audio just so I can enjoy it myself because it was hard to get through. For some reason, Boogie Woogie Woo winds up really well on there. So if you want to pick out one song to watch instead of trying to set through the audio that sucks, it'd probably be uh, Boogie Woogie Woo that I would recommend. It sounded the best. Word. Speaking of sounded good, this fucking band didn't have any audio problems, even though the uh, promoters turned their fucking volume down a bit because they were get, it was getting a little too crazy and they thought like shit might hit the fan if they played this band at the usual volume volume that this band plays with at the four spot Rage Against the Machine.
is there a better fucking band for Woodstock the way it like turned out and the way that the attitude was in 99 among like me who was a teenager at the time and everybody I knew like Rage summed up that fucking philosophy and attitude and era better than any band that was on the fucking bill and they're dope as fuck of course fuck yeah I've been a Rage fan since 1996 man shout out to my boy Kevin Guerrero got me in the Rage Evil Empire cassette I bought the same day as two Anima and I've been a Rage fan ever since got the self-titled afterward um, got the Battle of Los Angeles on the day it was released. Yeah, yeah. And Zach De La Roca is just as good as like rappers, like regular rappers in the game, you know? Yeah. I love Zach. And he held his own with um, KRS One before, with LP and Killer Mike. Zach is that fucking dude. He's supposed to have a solo rap album in 97, but it fell through. Originally yeah. doing some of the beats, bro. Be- I wonder if there's like tracks that exist from I that, know. like that they could master now. That would be dope. Tim C is a dope bassist. Um, you know, uh, uh, Brad Wilk on the drums. Tom Morello, it is fucking incredible. Man. Yeah, legend for sure. That motherfucker, yeah. like, he kind of pioneered, like, the entire fucking new metal sound. Like, it kind of gets credited to Corn and Limp Biscuit a lot more. But that motherfucker, like, playing the shit he would play, the riff style, and then, like, the way he would. Like a scratch on his guitar, it sounded like almost like a turntable. And then I think like people heard that and then added actual turntables, but it's just Tom. Like a lot of people think that's turntables. Not Tom playing the fucking guitar. I wish I had one of their albums next to me. But on the back of all their recordings, it says this album has no samples. Because people think it's samples. It's just Tom, man, on a fucking yeah. guitar. Fucking master at the guitar for sure and just finds ways to make fucking dope ass like sounds with it that you don't traditionally think about it so that's what that's like a little bit of a Jimi hendrix throwback to like old school woodstock right there having somebody of that talent level on guitar up there yeah. like i know Wycliffe tried to fucking play the fucking uh. national that's like one of the cringiest moments of the entire fucking thing other than all the chicks getting groped and all that shit like yeah, him trying to set his guitar on fire <laughs> and sing and do the national anthem thing was rough <laughs> I like Wyclef and Fuji's, and his first album is good, but after that, I can't fuck with Wyclef. Yeah, that, that performance, I don't know what was up with that. That oh, shit was terrible. rough. Like I said, uh, they kind of got their audio turned down because they followed Limp Biscuit, and like, it's really hard to follow something like that. That's like the comparison. If you're a wrestler, that'd be like following HBK and Undertaker as the next match at WrestleMania 25. So like yeah. they had a lot to live up to. That crowd was expecting to fucking see some shit for them to stay amped. It was going to take some pretty fucking good shit for the keep them amped because they were fucking worn out after that biscuit set and being in the sun all day. Uh, they hit people right off the, uh, jump with the uh people of the sun like they right off right into their set they get into that set one of the fucking more known tracks uh it's like like you talked about battle of los angeles that album's not even out yet so it's like old 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 school shit that they're playing in this shit of course uh by the time they hit bulls on parade freedom and uh rebellion the crowd's just fucking amped out of their fucking mind man like the crowd's like at a peak right there and then they fucking hit with kill it in the name of <laughs> as soon as the as the crowd's energy is at its peak, it's perfectly done, man. And like, I worked at a bar as a security guard for fucking ten years, and like, that is like a security guard's worst nightmares for that song to come on at fucking closing time. <laughs> and I, I can only imagine it because I only done it like four hundred people. It's four hundred thousand people just going fucking insane. It's the gnarliest, one of the gnarlier fucking things you'll see on the pit. It's like. 
I think it was probably crazier than Limp Biscuits, but it's dark, so you don't see the entire crowd like you do during Limp Biscuits. Yeah. So you can't really tell. But man, whatever killing in the name of kicks it, it it just goes to a whole nother level, man. And uh, once the shit did pop off, like the chance that the fucking like group of riders were chanting as they took down the fucking vendors that was charging them too much. They were saying, fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you. I won't do what you tell. Me. And so like that just song became like an anthem. Once they started ripping that place apart a few days later, just the energy they brought, man. And then right there at the end when they're playing uh killing in the name of the, the American flag that they have up on the big deck that they have for like the, uh, drum kit or whatever just sets on fire and it's not like white cliff where he can't get the fucking guitar set on fire and it's just like a fucking little big lighter <laughs> this is a fucking flame going up man and it burns that shit up so it's kind of uh i don't know almost like an artistic statement of how the weekend was gonna go from there on being burned up so i think that performance is legendary because of the energy it created the fucking flag burning and all the shit that went into it like we talked about the perfect fucking band to play woodstock so it's got to be in the top five so we got it at the four spot big part of my childhood teenage years hell yeah teenage rebellion for sure move it up to the three spot it's gonna be dmx yeah
these shots on it.
real. This is good. This is good. What up, baby? He had 250,000 people throwing fucking X's up with him, man. Like, that's what I got in my notes is there's not a lot of rappers that could, could command the stage by himself. He's just out there by himself. I don't think, I don't think he had a hype, man. He had DJ. He ain't no hype man or nothing. It's just him. And everybody's hanging on every word he says throughout the entire show. Anytime he asks for a response and puts the mic out, he immediately gets it. Like, that dude commanded the stage, man. Um, I thought it was funny. Uh, Rosie Perez came out and introduced him. <laughs> I think it's her name, Rosie Perez yeah. from uh, Do the Right Thing. I and ain't I bought- shit. <laughs> straight up at a baldwin brother i don't know which baldwin brother it fucking yeah. was but it was a baldwin brother and like the crowd's chatting show your tits and she's like so like, you want to see him and she's like 399 at blockbuster do the right thing <laughs> and all the crowd moves her shit that shit was dope <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was a good fun comeback one of the other notes i got is uh dmx rocking like the red overalls like oh mad. yeah mad 90s look right there man at one point he's like taking the shit off and they, they completely just fall off of me. But you see him just laugh like, Oh shit. <laughs> he was trying to like change the strap out that he had. And then I just fell down. He's like, Oh fuck it. I just did that shit in front of fucking 400,000 people. The, the, the dopest thing I think about it is he closes with get at me dog goes into rough riders anthem and then slipping. And then he closes with a prayer. Like, and, everybody's still just hanging on every word throughout everything this motherfucker says. Even when he's not rapping, man, like there's people like singing, saying this prayer along with him. Like you don't see performances like that too often in that in front of that many fucking people that are there to see fucking rage against the machine and Metallica and Limp Bizkit. You got DMX out there, man, getting just as much energy from him as anybody. So I think he very deservingly deserves a spot on this fucking countdown. So I'll put, put him at the three both of us did. By that time, you know, he had, Dark and hell is hot and flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood under his belt. And then it was X came late 99. So he was the biggest fucking hip hop star in motherfucking America. I hate when niggas be like, oh, Jay-Z. Fuck out of here. I like Jay, but no. He had the fucking crown, dog. He had yeah. the crown. That's why in 2001 when DMX ditched Jay, when that whole Rough Riders Rockefeller beef happened, he said, I only gave you the crown so I can shoot it off your fucking head. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. Yo, X was a god, bro. Like I, I lived in the hood back then in 1999. So in the hood, every, every vehicle that passed by was playing this Doc and Hell's Hot and Flesh in My Flesh. I leave the hood, I go to school, the white boys, the Puerto Ricans, everyone playing X. It was like DMX World. Seriously. Yeah. Every vehicle that passed by, I never seen nothing like that in my fucking life other than when 50 popped off. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. Dog, crazy, and that performance was incredible. Yeah, the energy, like I said, he just captures so much. I, I got it in my notes here, like a question. Like, I think this might be the biggest rap concert of all time. I can't think of a bigger a performance in front of a bigger audience. I don't know the exact numbers that DMX performed yeah. in front of, but like, I, I can't think of one right offhand. So it might be the biggest fucking hip hop concert of all time as far as attendance. It was, it was just super dope, like you said, like. You go anywhere in that time frame, man, and you was hearing like Rough Riders Anthem playing out Everywhere. the fucking whip because it sounded so good in people's cars and shit. So people just bump it fucking on repeat. So it sounded like dope rolling down the fucking strip and shit, man. So yeah, he was the king of that fucking time, man. So it's dope that he got put on that fucking main stage to shine and he fucking did. Fuck yeah. Moving up to the two spot. Speaking about shining, man, corn at the two spot. One of my favorite shows, I think, of all time, we played uh, Woodstock. 
That was definitely a moment I will never forget, being on stage in front of 275,000 kids. Never been so scared in my whole life. At least 50, 60,000 kids just went off in the front, and it was like the biggest rush I've ever had. I couldn't feel my hands. I, before we played, I, my hand, all my arms went numb because I was so, so nervous that because the, the crowd was huge. It was the biggest, still is the biggest crowd we've ever played for. I remember my lips were just like numb. I couldn't even talk over like that. I can't believe it. I'm so nervous. I can't feel my hands either. We ran off stage. We all got in the van. Everybody was hugging and screaming and crying. It was, it was crazy. It was, it was just like the highlight, I think, of any show we ever played. We were the first heavy act to go on for the festival and people were just ready to, you know, let it loose.
no matter how many words I use to describe it, simply just go watch the first fucking 45 seconds of their performance whenever fucking Jonathan Davis says, are you ready? It, I've never seen a mosh pit like that, man. It's fucking crazy. It, you can see how the sound travels because the stage is so big where the spectators are that there's like amps and speakers set up throughout. So you can literally see the sound traveling and it's got people going like that the whole time it's fucking crazy <laughs> uh the, the things i got like note wise is you could really see like how unorganized like woodstock was at the beginning of corn set you can hear the guitar and, and the drum techs like doing a fucking sound check 30 seconds before the band goes on like every other fucking concert even at that bar i worked in the fucking band's does their sound checks two, three hours before the show, so you don't have to do that shit. But like at Woodstock, there's and every band's like that. You can hear that if you go back and watch the live pay per view. Every band has a sound check fucking at when right before they play, which is fuck. It just shows you how unorganized this fucking thing was gonna be. Like I said, started with blind, went into twist, got Adidas in, shoots and ladders, bring out the bagpipes. That was dope, man. He bring out the fucking bagpipes. That was that's one of the. One of the uh, parts is you get cold chills when he starts hitting that shit. Broke out uh, the first performances of two songs, Beg For Me and Falling Away From Me. They were going to be on issues. Nobody had heard them. They were recording issues at the time, and it's different lyrics. So if you want to hear oh, like a – if you want to hear different versions of both of those songs, which are, they're really fucking good too. Like it's the different – it's different versions of the song. The choruses are the same, but the lyrics are different. Like Jonathan's still working it out and shit, and it, they're both really fucking dope. So I thought that was fresh that they got a couple uh, – first times in so like the people that did pay 150 dollars and suffer through three days of fucking agonizing heat and water prices that they got to peep that shit for the first time and see it live so i thought that was dope and uh ended it with uh faggot of course which just had everybody fucking crazy but what i really marked out for is uh they came back for like the encore of my gift to you. And that's one of my favorite corn tracks, man. And that's one that I don't see live that often, man, but they closed the fucking show down with that shit. It's so fucking heavy. (laughs) I love that fucking track, man. So yeah, it's good. This fucking performance is legendary. It's got to make the list. So it's at the two spot for both of us. It's an incredible fucking closure to follow the leader as well. My gift to you. I fucking love that song. Yo, John said he was so fucking hot. He just lost his mind. Did you, wanna, did you see him when the ground was going crazy? And he drops the mic, he goes backstage, and he passes out. Yep. That's how hot it was, you know? And that's just how hot it is for the performer on stage who yeah. has plenty of air. Think about that fucking mosh pit down there, man. Oh, that's why people – they, they said um, – I was reading – not reading but listening to uh podcast 99 if you dig woodstock check that shit out man it's called podcast 99 they break it down but they were saying every 20 seconds somebody passed out during the fucking corn set that they had to pull them out of the fucking pit every 20 seconds (laughs) so it was a gnarly ass set man the uh only thing that i have anything negative to say about it as i wrote these notes while watching the performance is ice cube was there they should have had Ice Cube come out and do fucking Children of the Corn because that's one of my favorite corn songs. And they went wicked like they were doing that fucking uh, Family Values 98. Yeah. So, you know, they know how to do it. They should have had him come out. That's my only like complaints about the show is I, it would be really dope if Ice Cube would have come out. But like I said, man, it's a legendary performance. Every one of the corn members say it's their best performance, best time they ever had playing live or ever will have. Like it's biggest show. They were the biggest band in the world. Like in 99, man, like. 
they're coming off the fucking uh, follow the leader, got the life, freak on a leash video being fucking everywhere. It was so popular. It was the first video that MTV had to retire because they couldn't get it off the countdown. Like they're like, we got to figure out a way not to just keep playing these same videos. So like they had to retire Korn's videos because they were just so popular at this time. They're the biggest band in the world, had the fucking perfect fucking uh, time slot. It was right as it got dark on the first day when the energy's going to be the highest. And you can see it in that fucking mosh pit with Blind Man. Like, if I had a time machine, that'd be the one mosh pit I'd fucking time my time machine myself to first is that fucking blind fucking mosh pit whenever it kicked in. That shit was dope. On the Deuce DVD, they said at the end of the show, they all hugged and cried together and said, we fucking made it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Schooled it. Fuck yeah. I mean, people were still, people still talk about that fucking reaction to Blind to this day. There's not a lot of people that talk positive about Woodstock, but the Corn fucking uh, performance is one that gets a lot of fucking love, saying that was the one that actually went right for everybody. Fuck yeah. Speaking of, moving up to the one spot where all the hell started breaking loose at the one spot. Limp motherfucking biscuit. Hey, hey. Hey, they want to ask us to ask you to mellow out a little bit. They say too many people are getting hurt. Don't let nobody get hurt. But I don't think you should mellow out. Mellowing out? That's what Alanis Morissette just had you motherfuckers do. Birkenstock rock, y'all. This is 1999, motherfucker. Take your Birkenstocks and stick them up your fucking ass. Right now, I want to do something to see if I can't get this whole motherfucking place from front to back to get the fuck up.
There's some serious energy in this fucking place. How many people saw Ice Cube? All right. All right. All right. Are you people on the side? came out talking about get go ahead and get into the set before uh, we start talking about the reaction to it started with just like this show me what you got to get people fucking hype counterfeit off the fuck first album 1999 and then uh you see like a woodstock employee come out and like grab fred and like talk in his ear yeah. and fred's like they're telling me they they want you to mellow out like people are getting hurt he's like don't let people get hurt but i don't think you should mellow out like and every time that some fucking lame ass like 
MTV VJ tried to blame Limp Biscuit. They always cut that shit out and edited it up to where he's like, he just says, "I don't think y'all should mellow out." That's what Limp Biscuit had, or that's what Alanis Morissette had y'all motherfuckers do. They they edit out the part where he says, "Don't let anybody get hurt." He's like, "Don't let anybody, don't let anybody get hurt, but don't mellow out." They cut the "Don't let anybody get hurt" part out, and they cut out the part where he says, if "Somebody falls, pick them up." They would cut that out just to yeah, make like evil. make it look like he was inciting them. So just a media trick. Right off the bat, there, and then uh, when once the dude gets done talking, Fred's like, uh, "People are getting hurt, blah blah blah." I don't think you should mellow out. He says the crazy, the classic fucking line: "Take your Birkenstock and stick it up your fucking ass." <laughs> and then after like the promoters tell him that it's getting too crazy, then they fucking start playing Thieves by Ministry, <laughs> which is the craziest moment of their. It's it's crazier than fucking break stuff, like. You got that portion where it breaks down, and then like Fred's like, "All you people on the side, all you people on the other side, all you people in the back, all you crazy motherfuckers in the pit." Like he hypes them up doing that twice, so like they're all just hanging on his word. And he's like, "What I say, get up, you get the fuck up." And he's like, "Get the fuck up!" And that place just go. It's it's crazier than corns because you can see it because it's daylight. You can yeah. see how far back that shit's going, man. That song's just so fucking crazy. And then like coming off of thieves, it's break stuff. So, like, those two songs right there, man, is probably when shit started hitting the fan big time. And it was, like, wood from the towers. Like, if you watch the fucking performance back, there's big towers in the background. People started tearing that shit off whenever they were doing break stuff. And then crowd surf, it looks like fucking ants. You ever seen, like, whenever ants are carrying something way bigger than they are, but it's moving on top of all of them? That's what these fucking things, they're moving at, like, 15 miles an hour through these people. They're just fucking ebbed the shit throwing this fucking particle board up and shit and like fred like gets off stage and sees this crowd surfing shit so he gets off stage and like he's looking at a tower that's like 60 yards in front of him and he's like i want to get to that tower and all the security guards is just like no nah, motherfucker you ain't fucking doing that and he's like yeah we do it he's like just get some get some guys out here we'll make it happen and like the security guards are all grabbing him by the belt so he can't he can't go he's trying to go out there he wants to like make it to this tower and go up on this like 20 foot tower and sing uh the last song but like security guards have none of it so he gets people to surf him that fucking plywood and he stands on the plywood and like surfs in the crowd to do faith i think that's like the Jimi hendrix fucking playing the national anthem fucking moment that wycliffe was looking for that's the fucking <laughs> moment from woodstock 99s when he's out there on that fucking piece of particle board fucking singing faith that shit was fucking legendary he said that shit's tight plywood tight. <laughs> yeah that crowd surfing on the plywood that's just tight <laughs> <laughs> Because he didn't know, he didn't know what it was going on. He said he thought it was coming from like it was like once the grass got all muddy and shit. Yeah. The the like event organizers laid down fucking plywood so you could walk on the plywood over the fucking mud. He didn't know people was tearing down the fucking sound sound stages. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fucking epic, man. Like. Oh, yeah people talk about this to this day they're the ones that they're gonna spend the most time talking about this fucking set the entire it made them the biggest band in the world like i said corn was the biggest band going into it coming out of it was limp biscuit because everybody was talking about them and in, in sick uh significant other had just dropped like a that month, month. month yeah yeah it's been out like a month so like nookie's hitting like nookie was like one of the biggest fucking regardless of how you feel about that song that song was one of the biggest fucking like hits of that era whenever it fucking hit back in the day so like 
they were number one whenever the album came out. Like people were fucking loving that album. And then they had this performance where everybody's talking about them. Suddenly they're the fucking biggest band in the world out of nowhere. Cause you think about it late 98, nobody knew who these motherfuckers were. Like it no. took faith. Like, uh, three dollar bill y'all was like out for over a year before it popped so it's not like they put that album out and had two years of being the biggest rock band in the world to get ready for this shit like they popped in late 98 after that fucking family value shit blew them up so like under a year of time and they go from nobody knowing who they are to being the biggest fucking band in the world it's crazy all the like musicians that are up on stage on the side you can see puff daddy standing over there kid rock standing over there fieldy Jonathan Davis, like there's all kinds of people just wanting to see like what was going to go down. Like they were still like blowing up whenever they hit the stage. So it's crazy that like within a year of anybody knowing who the fuck they are, they got that shit thrown in their lap. And I thought they handled it pretty well, man. Like I don't think they can be blamed at all for the fucking no, shit. They're not the I hate like MTV was the one that really pushed that shit. It was so weird because MTV like loved Limp Biscuit, but all of a sudden after that fucking thing, when like all the crowd didn't like the MTV VJs and was throwing fucking mud at them and shit, they turned on Limp Biscuit like a motherfucker. They want nothing to do with that new metal shit, man. It was fucking crazy. I didn't like that shit at all. I was like, damn, man, y'all was just fucking sucking Limp Biscuit's dick for the fucking they past were. year, and like you can't fucking even. Show the whole fucking footage. You really gonna edit out the part where he says, "Don't let nobody get hurt." That's fucking dirty. But yeah, I think that's a pretty good transition into doing the uh, five questions, like we always do. So we get into five questions about Woodstock. Question number one: Who's to blame for the riots and all the fucking craziness of Woodstock? I think it was the cost of water, the heat. I heard it was unbearable. People catching hypothermia and shit. Uh, the porta parties being over flooded. Just people being pissed off in general. That's inhumane conditions. If that was me, first of all, I, I couldn't make it. I don't think I could fucking make it. Like the smell of feces and all that shit. I, I'm not fucking with piss. You don't know where to go. Food is expensive. You can't take a shit in peace. Fuck <laughs> all that. I'm, I'm I'm going. Then I'm going back to like a hotel or something. Yeah. That's inhumane as fuck. And I forgot the guy's name, but one of the owners, not not, not the guy that started it, but his homeboy there. John um, Sher. Yeah, he was a fucking idiot. It's things he said <laughs> in that documentary. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's still blaming Limp Biscuit in that documentary. Well, Motherfucker, the fires happened like 29 hours after Limp Biscuit <laughs> played. How the fuck you going to blame them for the fucking fires? That dude yeah. was an idiot, he says. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wanted to punch that fucking dude watching that yeah. shit, which will be a perfect transition into my fucking who's the blame list. It's the promoters, John Sher, Michael Lang. They hired security guards out of the fucking paper and unemployment offices. Those security guards weren't like whenever fucking gathering went down a year later, ICP had X-Men security there, a fucking official security force. Like they hired fucking people out of the unemployment office, like a good portion of the security. Once they got into Woodstock, took their security shirt off and just used it as a free ticket to get into Woodstock. So, like, yeah. right off right off the bat, 25% of them just dipped. Like, just they used it as a free ticket. And, like, that's what using, like, a full-time security agency does. Like, all those fucking people have full-time jobs with that agency. They can't afford to just leave their job because they'll get fired. With this, these, these people were only going to get paid three days, so they don't give a fuck about missing those three days. That would probably, they're probably going to make less than what the ticket would have cost them to fucking get in there for the first place. So, like, 
that was just fucking stupid. Like having that amount of people there with security guards that were hired out of the paper and unemployment offices, just fucking crazy. Like they could have taken knowing how much ICP made. And I guarantee ICP was one of the lower paid acts on the entire thing. They made a hundred G's take two bands off the fucking bill that nobody gave a fuck about and spend that on security. And you've got a totally different situation. The other thing, and this is what really fucking makes John share looks bad. It's the Ogden Corporation. When you were a vendor, you had to pay $500 to vend at Woodstock, and you couldn't bring in your own shit. You had to buy everything from the Ogden Corporation. They charged vendors $3 each for every bottle of water. So they obviously had, yeah, that thing right there in 1999 cost somebody $4 at the fucking concert because Ogden Corporation price the, the vendors at three so to try to make their 500 back of course the fucking vendors have got to fucking mark their shit up throughout the fucking weekend as water got more and more of a premium ogden kept up in their price all the way up to seven dollars so like vendors were having to charge eight dollars and people were just fucking mad they're like i'm dying of hydration and you're fucking raising the price of this water when i can't get free water like you told me i was going to and the fucking thing about the ogden corporation you go back and look at it one of the fucking people associated Woodstock promoter, John Share, was making all that money because he ran that fucking company. That's like whenever America yeah. went it's like when America went and bombed fucking Iraq so like Dick Cheney's company could be get paid to go rebuild that shit. That's exactly what he did with this fucking thing, and he like he got a war in response for it because people was fucking pissed. Yeah, Ogden Corporation that was setting all those prices was fucking in cahoots with John Share so they could make a fucking bigger profit. So right there, the promoters are all fucking to blame, in my opinion. To blame any of the band is fucking stupid. It was that right there. Like, And then you get into like another thing is the rapes and riots are always grouped together. It's like rapes and riots, like, it, the the rapes were were happening like before the riots and shit, and that's just the one percent of society that fucking sucks that are in any society. There's fucking half a million people there. If there's a fucking city that has half a million people there over three days, they're probably gonna have like there was one rape allegation like filed that like actually got filed and charged and shit. So like you're gonna have that many at a fucking normal city. This is a fucking like concert where there's no security really no professional security everybody's drunk and high and shit so like to to like put those into the put the riots and the rapes together is where people really get it, it like shook up and twisted the race were just fucking assholes like there's always that one percent is gonna be there and do that shit like you you hear more stories on podcast 99 about people breaking up like people trying to do fucked up shit but like there's always one percent of the fucking crowd that's gonna fucking be assholes and fucking make everybody else look bad that's what the fucking race were about in my opinion the riots were about making a message about you're fucking with us like you're taking advantage of me like you told me there was going to be free water you told me there was going to be preferred camping if i gave a hundred dollars extra on my ticket and then they showed up and they paid a hundred dollars extra and got no preferred camping in like cooler fucking shady area or anything like they were just like you're using every fucking thing you can to just make this about money so like the riots for me man i thought it was like i thought the riots were dope they yeah, like it, it let everybody know you can't fuck with us and that's like this generation, in my opinion, like my generation that was coming up at that time, it reminds me of the fucking record industry when the record industry was price gouging CDs. 
What's our generation do? Figure out a way to blow that shit up to where you can't price, get price gouges anymore. We'll just get that shit for free if you want to be a dick about it. So that's exactly that's exactly what happened at Woodstock, man. People got tired of fucking people being a dick and just charging them more and more. So that's exactly what to blame. Fucking the promoters, John Share especially, and Ogden Corporation for those fucking crazy-ass prices. And all that anger and tension just build up with that. It's, it's going to happen. I would have done it too. Fuck off. Yeah. And, and then they try to blame the fucking artist. Fucking crazy. Moving on to a little bit less serious topic. Craziest mosh pit you've ever been in yourself. Because, I mean, the mosh pits are legendary at fucking Woodstock 99. What about you? 16 years old. Slipknot tattooed to the earth. Slayer. Sepultura. Some whack-ass natural pussy band or whatever the fuck. <laughs> but that Iowa era, you know what I'm saying? Going into it. Insane, violent, yeah. brutal. You know, surprised I oh, made yeah. it. When a motherfucker come next to you, you just shove that motherfucker back, keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the motherfuckers will uh, play. Dudes were socking niggas, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it happened to me because I would have had, you know, would have been on, but yeah, insane. Yeah, insane. The, the violence at the first like three years of Slipknot in the fucking pit was crazy, like. And even to this day, like going to mine, 2016 Slipknot, and then I've got like honorable mention to Seven Dust. Like for oh, Slipknot, for Slipknot, I wanted to stay back and see the show. For Seven Dust, I was like, I'm gonna get in the fuck pit. I remember these motherfuckers at Woodstock '99. These motherfuckers was dope live. So I was in the pit, man, and like just fucking chicks landing on your head, getting crowd surfed, throwing them the whole time. Like I'm one of the taller dudes in the pit all the time with some long ass fucking arms, as you can see. So like I'm always like one of the first ones to hit them, and I throw that shit as far as I can. Like that shit was entire time. Like it was just people rolling over your fucking head. It was it was dope. So I'll go honorable mention Seven Dust because I know Slipknot was gonna get some love. LeJean Witherspoon, one of the dopest vocalists of all time. And sounds uh, like amazing live. Like yeah. his Woodstock performance, man, like he's one of the, they're one of the better sounding acts as far as audio wise. Like he just sounds great live, man. Hits all the notes like Lane Staley style. I can't imagine to be like you. And those circle pits, because like it wasn't, well, I didn't see circle pits throughout the uh, fucking other acts, but like Seven Dust was on the smaller stage. So I think it was a lot more like, you know, fucking new metal kids and shit that knew who Seven Dust were, man. Those circle pits were breaking out through that shit. So oh, that man. shit brought like the new wave that was coming in. doing the fucking bushwhacker march and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. Just walking through there. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to question number three. One of the most famous fucking things about Woodstock 99 is the titties being out everywhere. What's the uh, concert or event you've been to where titties was out everywhere the most? One of the Tech Nine joints, I want to say, the Strictly Strange, one of them joints. But I got to say Gathering. Oh, four. Because every fucking way you look, there it is. <laughs> Everywhere, dog. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was crazy. You know, oh. I'm a 19-year-old kid back then. And I had a girl with me, so I couldn't really do much. <laughs> couldn't look too hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for me same thing man tech nine gathering 09 or 2010 when he does areola like that's when oh, it goes yeah. from like that's when it goes from like spi- from 10 to spinal tap 11s when he goes when he goes into areola bad like the chicks have just been thinking about it all day with them fuck things out whatever areola kicks in so so much so they can't do that song anymore because <laughs> apparently because apparently like some two young fucking areolas was coming out and he had stopped singing that song but <laughs> Yeah, Ariel at the fucking gathering for me for sure. Of that Question technology one on one. 
Yep. 816, boys. Fire. Red Nose. Yep. But those are two songs that were on my top five fucking tech tracks going back. (laughs) Question number four. Three artists that should have been booked at Woodstock 99 that weren't. They were big at the time, so they deserved a spot, but for some reason weren't. I think this would have been amazing. The record just came out late June. Just talked about them. Slipknot. Self-titled era would have been fucking loony, my nigga. Like, that's even crazy. I got Eminem. That came out April 99. Some shady LP. That would have been nuts. Yep. And then I got Stone Temple Pilots. They released volume four. Well, number four at that time. Yeah. There you go. Hell yeah. That's, yeah, some dope-ass fucking picks, yeah. man. Slipknot, for me, of course, like you said, they're they're in the era of like the self-titled. So if you want to talk about fucking getting that place burned down, you bring in Slipknot. <laughs> oh, God. I also think uh, Marilyn Manson deserved a spot on there because oh, I think I think he would have fit right in perfectly. And then uh, my third one's gonna be Dre, so Snoop and Eminem could come along with like basically it'd have been the Up and Smoke tour, like just a little oh, part yeah. of it because you know uh, Dre was promoting the album and shit. So I think like you get Dr. Dre as the dude you actually book, but you got Snoop and Eminem coming out there. So I think those will be my three that I'll book on there. Question number five. Speaking of booking. If they were to do a Woodstock anniversary show in 2024, and you got to book headliners for each night, three headliners for each night, who would you book? Friday, I'm going to go to the new era of shit. I got Suicide Boys. I got Ramirez. And I got Ghostmane. I think that style of music would have been lit. I've seen them at the, you know, seen footage of Suicide Boys and Ghostman at the Gathering, 2019. Yo. It would have been lit with those dudes there. And then for Saturday, I got some old school hip hop shit. I got Wu Tang Clan. I got my favorite MC of all time, Nas. And I got KRS One. Because Light DMX is just KRS rapping to your ass. Oh, yeah. Starting fire. And then Sunday. That'd be a dope day, like the hip hop day. Oh, yeah. That'd be yeah. fresh, man. Yeah. Sunday, I put it like a kind of an anniversary of things for 99. I got Corn, Limp Biscuit, and Rage Against the Machine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You th- those three bands are still putting it down. Rage, especially, man. They're just like back. So like, you definitely got to have them three on your fucking lineup, in my opinion. So I got no beats with any of that shit. For Friday, for me, I'm gonna take it back to the uh, classic Woodstock '94 fucking performance. Probably the one that stole the show. Green Day, bring oh, them yeah. back because they they came like we were talking about with fucking Limp Biscuit blowing up because of Woodstock 99 Green Day did that because they had a fucking complete mud fight their entire fucking mud. set at 94 blew them up so I put them on there then I want to see Oasis get together and I want to see an Oasis show and fucking Noel always says that it's got to be for enough money well Woodstock probably got enough money so Oasis for the second act on Friday and then just like 99 man closing it down even though Bush for some reason, played after corn. My fucking main headliner for Friday night's corn. So you got the high energy. Everybody's there. First night, just like 99. So corn on the roster for sure. Saturday, Slipknot going to be there for sure. They still putting shit down. Like I said, I seen them in 2016. They go hard as fuck still. This, this is the metal day. I did the metal day like uh, Woodstock 99 did. So start whenever, whenever Slipknot is starting shit off, you know it's fucking going crazy. Yeah. Followed up by Rage Against the Machine, like I said, back on tour so you could get them booked. Followed it up. Limp Biscuit. They played the second day, pretty much stowed the whole fucking show. So I'm having Limp Biscuit closed out the second day for me. For Sunday, 
first act's going to be Alice in Chains because I think fucking Jerry Cantrell deserves and Sean and fucking uh, Mike deserve to play fucking Woodstock. They're supposed to be there at 94 and weren't able to. Uh, Jerry came out and played with uh, Primus, so he has been on stage during it, but it'd be dope for uh, Alice in Chains to uh, make an appearance. Then Red Hot Chili Peppers. They closed out the last one as it burned, like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Super fucking dope performance. I thought whenever they like decided to play fire, like whenever, oddly enough, they had already decided to play fire before all the fires broke out and shit what started happening during their set. So like you hear a point flee, like and Anthony, you're talking, they're like, should we do it? Should we do it? And they're talking yeah. about, should we do this song called fire while there are fires burning? And Anthony's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so they break into fire as the fires are going, man, it's fucking dope. So definitely having red hot chili peppers back. And, if things happen like it did at 99, you got the fires going during Red Hot Chili Peppers and shit's burning. You know who I want on stage when shit's burning everything's going to hell? A la fucking Zool. <laughs> a la Zooly Lou, man. The Zool boys fucking closing it down as the hell fires are burning. <laughs> so they, that'd be a dope-ass thing. Probably wouldn't have a lot of people know who the fuck they were, but like I said, man, with the fucking fires burning, man, just imagine the fucking Zool boys just fucking showing up, singing Deathbed and fucking Deadline, oh, Axe's Family. That'd be dope as fuck, man. So, yeah, put a little bit of Juggalo flavor in there. At the end, since Woodstock 99 has some Juggalo flavor, you know, it's possible. Yeah. So, and the Mikey Clark album comes out. Maybe they blow up like ICP did. So, maybe by 2024, they could be on that fucking build. I think Zool, man, that would be dope as fuck as the fires burn. Before we get out of here, did you have any honorable mentions you want to mention that we didn't get in in the top five? No, nah, I'm good, G. I don't, I think we pretty much named everybody that I could think of. Uh, Metallica. I've seen better Metallica ones, so that's why I didn't put them on the list. Like that fucking thing where they're in Russia. Like that shit's oh, dope. Yeah, and there's fucking helicopters like flying around, making sure fucking people don't fuck around. Like that shit's probably one that's better. So, like I said, I've seen better ones. I already mentioned Red Hot Chili Peppers, Seven Does. It was dope that Creed had Robbie Krieger come out from the doors and do Roadhouse Blues because he played the Undertaker shirt, <laughs> bright yellow pants, and the Undertaker shirt. Looking 1999 as a motherfucker. <laughs> it was dope because he played it at uh, Woodstock '69. I think that was like the only artist. It got brought out like that, so that was pretty dope. And other than that, man, I think we named everything. Kid Rock, Kid Rock did a dope performance. I hate fucking Kid Rock now, oh, but back in '99, like he didn't have all that redneck fucking country shit, and he did the thing where he had everybody throw a bottle at the stage. That shit was dope. As he was playing like some song, like so, there's like bottles flying and shit. So yeah. he he kind of schooled it a little bit. So I guess he'll be the last honorable mention I'll do. Fuck Moby too. Oh yeah, man. Fuck him. <laughs> I don't know why. Give me this fucking little long words and shit. Fuck. Yeah, he knew everything was going to go bad whenever he pulled. Why didn't you tell somebody then, motherfucker? You just going to keep that shit to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> then he's all like pissy that nobody's fucking, his name isn't on I that mean, big fucking post here. And he starts dissing the other bands on there that he doesn't yeah. know about. So yeah, he he came off the worst in that fucking documentary like for sure. A little cup of coffee. Fuck you, fucking movie. Yeah, fuck Moby. <laughs> you gonna get stomped by Opie. Oh, <laughs> I think right there is the perfect place to end it. So right. until fucking next time, Mike Sears of Speaking Clout, Joker's Gallery. Want to remind you, check out Five Piece every Thursday in its normal time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, we out this bitch.
The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order.